Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Well, that intro is a lot more jovial than I feel for this podcast. My name is Dan Ronaldson, joined by Matt Kendrick and James Rushton to discuss another defeat for Villa and pretty drab performance all round. Uh, Matt, first of all, let's get let's get your thoughts on the game before we uh, delve into the, the talking points. What's your general reaction to tonight? I think we're becoming. Um, you remember Arsene Wenger's Invincibles? I think we're becoming Dean Smith's Predictables. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, it's it's just all so samey. It's just you know, we'll, I'm sure we will, and we have spoken about Jack Grealish being absent. Um, we know that's a massive factor, but Villa are, Villa are still trying the same things, uh, still trying to same play play more or less the the same way with the same shape and the same setup as they did did when when Grealish was in the team. So, you know, if you're a, an opposition manager at the moment, you know you're pretty well set, aren't you? Because you'd back most of your players with respect to Aston Villa's players, you'd back them to be equal or better than a team that's only been in the Premier League for eighteen months and. If there's no air of predictability against the team and you know what you're coming up against each time, you're going to find a way to, to stop it. And, you know, Tottenham <laughs> might be a bit strong to take Tottenham over there for the taking, but they've come, into, come to Villa Park with loads of press, pressure on uh, Mourinho. Um, you know, two bad results for them in uh, mm-hmm. Europa League and the Premier League against Arsenal. <laughs> and Villa should have profited. They should have kind of you know, started bright and should have, should have been able to really kind of cause problems for Tottenham. But... You know, it's all kind of huffing and puffing and, and, and no end product, isn't it? Yeah, I want to try and answer a few questions, if we can, from comments now. Because we say, let's try and address comments. It's hard when they come in so quickly. But if you've got a question, more so than a, just a comment, fire them at us and I'll see what see what we can do. Somebody just said, straight off the bat, if you guys are going to serve up excuses, then I don't know what else to say. Awful, we made a Spurs side have been in woeful form look like world beaters. I don't think we made Spurs look good because I don't think they were particularly good anyway. But we were awful. It's we definitely gave them the game. Before a shot on target from Villa, which is awful. No changes, same predictable nature, like you stated, Matt. I've seen people on Twitter say, with Grealish, we look like a great side, could push for Europe, might just break into there without them, um, look like a bog standard Premier League side that might struggle if they have a, a few injuries hit them. That's what Villa have become with and without Jack Grealish. It shouldn't be that we have to rely on him in the way that we do. But as we've said many, many times before, if you take a player out who's genuinely world class, in my opinion, it's going to suffer Villa. But Dean Smith and the other professional athletes in Aston Villa Football Club should have a better backup option than let's just try and pump balls into the box and see what happens. Yeah, without Grealish, it's a lot just going wide and crossing. How many players you see go wide? Keenan Davies out wide, Sanson out wide, Watkins out wide, everyone going out wide and the crosses, man. What one hit someone's head? or looked like it was going to hit someone's head. And the, the players are small as well. Our team's like notoriously seems quite small. They're pinging in balls like that. It's uh, it's crazy. But I don't think anyone's here to give excuses for that. All we, we all sat, had to sit through that and watch it. And if people are saying you made Spurs look good or Villa were awful. It's, it doesn't matter. You gave them the game. You, the two goals they had, we gave them them. We, we just handed them up. So the biggest frustration for me is that it's just whatever team you play, you know, 
you can't be the reason for your own downfall. You can't be the reason that the other team wins. They have to do the hard work, and Villa did it all for them, which is the worst thing. Why don't we change formation, Matt? This probably isn't a question that you can answer, but why do we seem to persist persist with things that aren't working? I don't know. He seems anchored to it, doesn't he? He, he just he just really, really seems to favour this four three three, and I just don't think it kind of. I'm not sure we've we've got the the personnel. Certainly at the moment, we've shown that they can play that way. And to me, and again, you're going to hear the word Jack Jack and Grealish all the time. But to me, when Jack Grealish is in the team, because of his ability and the way he draws people towards him. He creates overloads in his own right, which means that the rest of the players around him have got space to, to do what they can do. Now, without him, you're asking each of those players to be better than their direct opponent. How many How many can say that they've done that? You know, I don't want to dig out the wingers because that, that tends to be my go-to kind of um, scapegoats every other week when they don't score. Um, but how often do you find kind of... Let's start Trezeguet. I mean, Trezeguet, how often does he actually beat his man mm. and commit his man and, and, and kind of create space that way? I'm not I'm not convinced he does. And something's got to change because it's it's so samey and so frustrating. Um, and, you know, maybe to me, Villa, I wouldn't say they're on the beach just yet because... You know, I know, I know that the, the nights are start getting lighter, but it's not not. <laughs> you know, we're banned from travelling in Europe, so I wouldn't really want to go on any, any kind of British beaches at the moment. But it's almost as if they're playing without jeopardy at the moment because they know those points are in the bag. They're not, and we said this last time, didn't we? They're not doing the off the cuff stuff. That they're, they're all a bit too kind of, I don't know, it's a bit too safe. To be honest, mm. they're a bit a bit too safe, and to me, it's all adding to it. It's all adding to this kind of sense that. You know, oh yeah, we've had a, we've had a brilliant first half of the season. We can dine out on that. And listen, Villa aren't in any danger of going down. We know that the points are on the board. So regardless, it's progress from where we were. But it's just, you know, you've got yourself into this position. Surely that's the time when you should be playing with more freedom, rather than playing more safely. If that, that makes any kind of sense whatsoever. Yeah, I said to. J- change on me just before we came on I said to um I said to James that like I think it's all just came come at the same time the players know they're safe Europe's not really realistic although why not have that ambition to go to go and break into there but it probably feels like you know, we're probably going to finish mid-table Grealish goes and gets injured for five six games and we all just kind of fizzle out and that happens at the same time and that's just unfortunate for Villa I don't think it's a case of down in tall so early it's just I don't know I just don't think they have a I don't want to say plan B because we've spoken about this before and I'm not, not even sure that's a, a thing as such. But without Jack, we're not as good. And that sounds as simple to say. But we're sitting here going, well, why can't I change this? Why can't I change that? Dean Smith and his coaching team, that's their job to do so. And they're deciding that they can't change it, which means they don't have the players to do so, I would assume. It's not that he's thinking, oh, it's 4 through 3 or nothing. He must think there's other options. The reason he's not doing so is because we don't have the players for it, I guess. We don't have the striker option to change it. Bringing Keenan Davis on when you when you need a goal for twenty minutes is that going to work? That's, that's a frustrating thing. Is um Keenan Davis comes in and he seems like he has more of a, an impact than any anyone. Which it's, you know he gets on the ball, he makes the runs in. It's like it's not like Keenan Davis is the answer. It's just that's the level that we we were suddenly at now, where the striker we play for ten minutes here and there comes on with yet again ten minutes left to go, and he's the one making any kind of impact in the box. And it's just the, the, the attacking impetus without Grealish switching from like. 
almost going through the central the central areas to go wide is just it is frustrating. And I get why the the calls are there for Plan B, Plan B because it seems all change of formation seems like there could be like a magic bullet to solve this. Doesn't look to be the case. Um, you know the form table from what is it eighth sixth place Arsenal with eight points us in fourteenth with five points. Um, bottom of course Sheffield United with three points. There's not a whole lot in it, but with the things Villa have thrown away, you could have been up there. And that's a frustrating, but that's why fans call for Plan B. That's why they call for the, the magic bullet changes. But gotta ride the wave, haven't it? We've 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 been here, done this before, we've always had the streaks, and it is just one of those annoying Aston Villa things when we lose a key player that we have to ride this this rubbish, rubbish form wave. Andrew Wing or Andrew Winge, which is probably more appropriate, says, Why is John McGinn undroppable? Why is he Still, not the why is he still playing the, again? The options aren't there, I don't think, but he's not been the same John McGinn that he was. How, how long? But well, I did a tweet earlier saying, I, you know, I want Project Restart Douglas Louise back in the side that, that form that he had at the back end of last season. And then I followed it with a, a 2019 John McGinn. Wouldn't be bad. Is it, is it too harsh to say that John McGinn hasn't been good for quite a while, really? I think so. If you think, if you think about John McGinn, the start of last season, he was probably Villa's brightest player for a month or six weeks yeah. and then even before he got injured um, around Christmas time I think it was against Southampton there were already signs that McGinn was creaking before he got injured um, I don't think we've seen worse, then, to be fair yeah yeah I don't think we've seen McGinn at his best since the, the early weeks of the Premier League season um, that, that's not to say he's been as poor as he seems to have been in, in recent weeks Um but yeah, I think he's. I'm not sure what it is. He, he certainly lost lost a bit of his zip, and I think the way. Listen, we've said that Villa have gifted them two goals tonight, which is true. But if you compare and contrast the movement for Spurs' first goal versus mm. some of the kind of wasted positions that Villa had tonight and in recent weeks in those attacking areas, it's night and day. It really is because just look, just look how how Lucas Moura even wanted to win that ball. It wasn't yeah. a great clearance from Martinez, but still, it was Mora who kind of made that happen, being on the front foot. And you don't see that. You don't see Villa fans, Villa fans. You don't see Villa players being that determined to kind of make things happen. They're reacting rather than being, you know, what the whatever the opposite, <laughs> proactive rather than yeah. rather than reactive. Um, and you know, you can say McGinn, but any other midfield really, really shone tonight. Nope. Well, who's your creative midfielder without Jack Grealish? Because it, it should be John McGinn because, you know, in the last few seasons, he's almost been a second striker. He's so far pinned back now. He's, if you're level with Douglas Louise, he's a central defensive midfielder. Where's the where's the output? Where's the creativity? If if mm. you have to wait six yard meets to put Ross Barkley on to get some creativity, if Morgan Stanton's been run down and McGinn's been run down, that's a problem. That really is a problem for me. It's gone past in the feed now, but someone asked earlier about why our set piece is so bad. And I tweeted something similar as well during the game. Which can't beat it first, man. Mm. That Traore corner was, was pathetic. And I think Sanson took one after that. And people saying, oh, we miss Conor Harahan. And as much as we talk about Harahan, he, all he brings is set pieces. At least he did bring that. I'm not advocating that Harahan should be coming in and starting Premier League games for Aston Villa. But we don't have anyone, again, without Jack Grealish, who yeah, he did take corners, to be fair. But without him, we don't have that creative spark. And... I don't know whether it's as simple to just go, oh, no, Jack Grealish, no Aston Villa, but it does seem like that's the case. And it shouldn't be at this stage. It's hard, isn't it? Because 
somebody said it's like I think I, I tweeted kind of Aston Villa without Jack Grealish is is like the cause without the sisters, um, and it is kind of it's hard to replace Jack. We know he can't replace Jack Grealish because he's one of the top five or six players in the Premier League. So a club Aston Villa eighteen months in the Premier League aren't going to have a like for like replacement to, to step straight into his boots. But with Ross Barkley, you should have. Even mm. if it's a kind of a, you know, a toned down version or whatever, or yeah, a water down version. <laughs> Say again? Like a B Tech Jack Grealish. Well, yeah, well, that's it. Like Jack Grealish light. You should have something. Yeah. You should have somebody who can play on the front foot in a number 10. I know Jack doesn't tend to play as a number 10. I know he tends to, to come in coming from the wing. But you should have somebody who's bright, bright enough to, to get close enough to the, the striker. And if you haven't, Dean Smith should be working on somebody who he's got within within his within his kind of head count. He should be drilling somebody to play that role, you know. And it, it's we just don't seem to have it. It just seems to be so plodding and so methodical. And if you throw into that the fact that this really really strong defence has now started gifting goals, and it mm. just makes it it's relegation form. You know, let's let's not pretend that the form that Villa have been in in certainly since Grudich has been out, and probably if you roll it back to New Year's Day to the start of the start of this calendar year, it's relegation form. Fortunately, that relegation form is not going to come back and bite us too much on the backside because we're already safe because we've had such a brilliant start to the season. But you know, something something's got to change because it's just so it's so bleak. And Villa mm. want want to entice that next level of player so that we can kick on probably kick on to the level next season that we thought we were going to kick on to this season. And I'm not sure that at the moment, you know, we, I'm not sure we're seeing, well, we're not, we're not seeing anywhere near the best version of Aston Villa. Yeah, I don't want to be dramatic because it sounds silly, but when was the last time that you enjoyed watching Villa this season? We weren't against it, our last win again, because we, we won against Leeds and that weren't enjoyable. Boxing dive, Palace? Uh, yeah, yeah the real swagger against Palace, didn't we? Even the draw oh. against Chelsea, it was that was that shortly after. That was still pretty fun. Um, it's just not fun. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. Villa aren't going to go down. They're not going to get into Europe. So I want to be entertained, and I'm not. I'll get, I'm oh, bored watching. Enjoyed games. watching us away at Burnley first off <laughs> when the under 18s um, played against uh, Liverpool. Yeah. As well. That was fantastic. But, it, but football should be fun, and I don't want to just write it off and go. Oh, football's entertainment because I want Villa to win games as well, and I'd almost say win at all costs, but. I'm bored watching Villa at the moment. Uh, you can call me a, a, a rubbish fan or whatever word you want to slot in there, but I'm, I'm bored watching Villa at the moment without Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish brings a swagger to Villa and without him, it's boring. Here's a question. Would you rather us lose every game like we lost the Burnley one or lo- just draw and lose like we have been doing? I, I, I'm leaning towards the Burnley one because the agony is at least an emotion rather than the frustration. <laughs> Just laughing at Matt Kendrick calling me a rubbish fan in the private chat <laughs> on, on here. Um, it's fair though, isn't it? It is boring now. Yeah, it, you know, we, we're all here to be entertained. You pay tickets, pay money for tickets to be entertained. You know, the whole industry is built around entertainment. Like, there has to be some level of where it's fun because it is. And look, you know, we can't. I don't want to get carried away because I think tenth after where we finished last season, or even eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth after last season, still still some kind of progress but in the short term it's still perfectly reasonable to be unhappy and mm. annoyed and upset 
Because you were sitting down on your Sunday evening watching that, and it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Miss Lana duty for this. Uh, Michael says, are you not happy with 10th-ish after barely staying up last season? Is is that fair, Matt? Because, yeah, obviously... But it's still frustrating. It doesn't mean that when we when we underperform and we underachieve that, that we need to be satisfied with that. I think, listen, we've said before, whatever happens this season now, he's going to be progress. We had to wait until the last kind of five minutes of the game at West Ham um, last season to be safe. So I'm I'm more than satisfied with, with Villa, the position that Villa will finish in this season because it will be higher than they finished last yeah. season. I just think that, that you know, Jack Rich is not going to be around forever and that's not that's not me flogging into Manchester City like Sky Sports or whoever else did with their tweet the other day. Jack Rich won't be around forever. So these are the perfect opportunities to try and work out Two or three different different ways of playing when he's not there. When he is there, you're going to give the ball to Jack Green. <laughs> why do you need another? Why do you need a different way of playing? But when he's not there, you've got to try and be a little bit more creative. And that's where the likes of of Dean Smith, Richard O'Kelly, Craig Shakespeare, John Terry, Neil Cutler have got to have got to earn their money. Really, you know, every mm. every everything that we've asked of them so far, they've delivered. You know, got us into the Premier League, kept us in the Premier League helped us consolidate in the Premier League. So what does the next phase look like? And to me, the next phase looks like surrounding Jack Grealish when he's in the team with an even better level of player than they've managed to to put together last summer. And when he's not in the team, how can you find a way that Villa can still be creative and, and can actually stretch teams and make, make themselves hard to play against? They're not hard to play against at the moment. How many players do you think we'll need to add in the summer, James? If we are to push on, if say if Europe is the aim next season, how, how do we how do we bridge that gap from twelfth to sixth, for example? I mean, the obvious answer is at the very least one who's a creative midfielder, because again, without Jack Grealish, who's your playmaker? Like who's who's got the creativity in the roles you're playing? It's not going to be McGinn. It's not going to be Louise more than likely not going to be Barkley, is it? So who's going to be bought in the summer to be a creative midfielder? If not one. At least two, um, because Villa, if you lose, you keep teams struggle when they lose key players. Um, so it's very obvious that Villa are going to run, run into brick rules without Jack Grealish, but they, they need to address that problem in the summer. Um, a lot of people mm-hmm. can say in the comments, you know, what does he think of the football we're playing now? Grealish, he's, he's going to be off next season. At the start of the season, he signed a five year contract with the expectation that we'll probably finish 15th or 14th or 13th. <laughs> he said in an interview not three weeks ago that, you know, it's above everyone's expectations in, in mm-hmm. the club. So, I'm not faced about that at all. It's about building around him. Um, we don't need to plan post-Grealish. We need to plan for Grealish because he's more than likely going to be here next season. We can make a fist of it, really make a fist of it next year and become a better football club. Just enduring this really horrible, horrible stretch of form at the moment. I'm going to talk about Dean Smith shortly. I had a little exchange with a fan on Twitter who was saying that you know, we don't need this negativity. We don't need to be over the top with our negativity because I called Villa useless tonight. And he said that that was, that was too over the top. Someone else in the comments has asked about Villa fans being fickle and things like that. Are we getting too negative with our opinions because Villa are playing poorly? Or is it fair to suggest that Villa aren't as good as we thought they were at a stage in this season? Is that to me? Sorry, I was just looking at my, looking at my tablet. <laughs> are, we, are, we, are we being too overreactionary in our, in our opinions that we're being too negative or too positive? We need to be kind of middle out a little bit? Or is it fair to be annoyed that Villa aren't, aren't that good at the moment? 
Oh, we're football fans, aren't we? You know, we really change a lot of the wind. Of course, we, you know, we're not reviewing the season as a whole here now, really. Are we? We're reviewing that kind of hour and a half that we've just seen, and it was mm. it was against the Tottenham team that were out of form. Uh, manager who was wobbling a little bit. Uh, Villa who started started the game well enough in terms of possession and territory, and just shot themselves in the foot not once, but what. But twice, in fact, the, the shooting—if they're shooting at the opposition goal—was as good as the shooting in their own foot. We wouldn't be having this. We wouldn't be having this d- debate anyway. But um, yeah. you know, I feel I, I, I'm excited for Ollie Watkins in these next couple of weeks because he's going to actually probably be able to go into a penalty area and expect the ball to, <laughs> to come to him. You know, he's going to have Jude, Jude Bellingham threading him through, and Phil Foden and Mason Mount and who else? Jesse Lingard, and you know he's probably going to get this. Even if he, even if he doesn't get on, even if he doesn't doesn't play a single single minute for England, he's at least going to be able to kind of hopefully be trained into a little bit, you know, back into a little bit of form by having people who are being creative around him. What do you think, James, about about the, the kind of fan reaction? I guess. Yeah, you're you're absolutely allowed to criticise. You know, if you play poorly, it's just that gap between criticism. And becoming that kind of out swinging on the outcomes all the time. If you're calling for Dean Smith to go, that oh, yeah, we'll that, talk about that in a second. Yeah, that four, that train of four, you know, six games down the track, we're going to have six different managers if that's the way we're going to work. But you know, you're allowed to criticise Villa absolutely because they've been poor. And if we were paying money to go down, absolutely criticise them. But you know, don't yeah. separate that. You can still have a long term goal and a short term goal. Short term, we've been pretty poor. Long term. It's been all right. It's been a good journey, but short term, we're here to review a match like Matt said. It was yeah. bad. Yeah, this season has been far better than anyone's like, expectations. Even if well, I don't know where we'd finish if we lost every game between now and the end of the season, but it, we'd probably be better than seventeenth. Um, it'd be a disaster, but still. But the last six games or so have been rubbish. And when people say, "Oh, yeah," but think think about the relegation season and how how much better we are then than we are now. So, well, yeah, fair, but it's irrelevant, isn't it? It's also not as good as when we won the league in '81. Where, how far back do you want to go with history? Do you know what I mean? To compare the current situation to to the past, we're rubbish at the moment. Now, that's what we'll talk about. If we win the next three, we'll be going, "Oh my God, we're going to win the league." That's what these podcasts are in the moment. When we review the season as a whole, maybe our opinions will level out a little bit. I see. Um, I see Jamie Redknapp, the, the poor man's Matt Kendrick, has compared Villa without Grealish to being like the Beatles without McCartney. No, mate, it's like the cause without the sisters, all right? But the, the Beatles didn't ever go without McCartney, so he's got no no reason to go on that opinion, has he? They, 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 they disbanded, so that's that's false. I'm not sure whether the cause have ever gone without the uh, sisters either, mate, but still, <laughs> I don't need to get bogged down into, into that level of detail. Um, what did you make of... Um, what did you make of... Uh, Harry Kane's kind of step over nowhere near the ball that Matty Cash bought for the penalty. Oh my god! I thought it was a penalty. Oh, it was. It was. It was a penalty. I'm just thinking. You know, Kane's absolutely played him there, hasn't he? I, I, I saw um, uh, Stuart just said it was never a penalty. Am I the only one who thinks that? Anyone else disagree that it wasn't a penalty? I thought the, the contact well? was was tough. I thought it was like I thought Var would have a better look at it. To be honest, no. I always thought it was going to go, you know, be a penalty, but I thought, is the contact truly there to, for at least the, you know, Mike Dean to go to the monitors? But Matty Cash shouldn't be sliding in on that, like <laughs> in the yeah. box, like full stop. Because you make the question of it then for the referee and VAR to answer, which is, I can see why people think that though. 
I think there was contact. I think it is a penalty. But then you hear stuff in other games and previous decisions we've seen where you've got to be in control of the ball and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And Harry Kane is in, in control of the ball and it's going out for a goal kick or a corner, whatever the ball is going. So is it is it really a penalty? But then he's taken the man, hasn't he? He's made contact, he's gone sliding in, he's given Mike Dean a decision to make, to use a cliche, and the penalty's given and Villa hand, hand spurs the victory, pretty much. And Mike Deal, Dean wheels away in delight. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about Dean Smith then. Again, there's almost 500 people watching live at the moment, so a little bit of a straw poll. Dean Smith in or Dean Smith out? It sounds ridiculous to even talk about it, but I've seen comments tweeted at us this evening, comments in this Facebook stream as we go live tonight saying, he's taken us as far as he can. It's time to get somebody else in. He's got no plan B. We need a better, stronger, more Premier League savvy manager to, to take Villa up to that European spot uh, next season and beyond. First of all, your two quick opinion, Dean Smith in or Dean Smith out? In, in. question, <laughs> also in. Or is there a case to say that not whether we whether he should go or not is maybe too far, but that he can be questioned and criticised? Of course, yeah, of course, he can be questioned and criticised. You know, he's a, a multi-millionaire football manager who's paid <laughs> paid big money to to make decisions that win football matches. But you know that there's a there's a long stretch between us kind of digging him out for his substitutions or his tactics or his lack of a plan B or you know whether. Villa can cope without Jack Grealish. Then there is to saying he should be sacked. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he must be he must be bang on schedule, if not ahead of schedule by now. Surely, surely yeah, in terms of tangib- tangibles, what he's actually achieved, are we behind where we should be? Are we? Probably a little bit ahead. At the right right now, we should. You know, we were planning it again, like everyone said. You know that Jack Grealish said the expect. You know, no one expected this. This is higher than our expectations. So right now. Surely it's even a, just a, a smidge in the head. What's so, annoying is, what's annoying is, because I'll put this point across, I'm fully Dean Smith in. People saying if you if you Smith out, go and support Blues. I'm not suggesting Dean Smith out, by the way. I know we're, we've got a platform where we're speaking to 500 people here. I'm not saying Dean Smith out. But I've seen comments like, oh, he's got to go. He's taken as far as I can. And then I ask for people in or out, and it's in, 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 and makes me look stupid. Um, if you are Dean Smith out, give us a reason as well. Don't just say Dean out, because we need context for that. Sometimes you can't blame the manager for poor, poor performances, which I don't think is completely true and Alex says that's so daft who would you want in and now they're or Pulis etc but yeah I, I just don't see the point uh, of getting rid of him like you said Matt we're, we're ahead of schedule if anything and at one point we're thinking oh Villa might crack into Europe this, this year and now we're going oh he's taking us as far as he can get rid I had, a message, from, <laughs> I had a message on Twitter from someone someone under the account name Great Bar Guardiola who was laying into Dean Smith thinking hang on a minute <laughs> <laughs> You know, is his agent in disguise. <laughs> some kind of identity crisis here. You know, he, he was great by Guardiola, but that was last. That was a couple of weeks ago when we won. He's now kind of I don't know. I don't know what the equivalent would be. Now he's Ginger uh, Mourinho. <laughs> that's it. It's um, yeah. He's now uh, the Midlands Mike Bassett rather than the great by Guardiola. <laughs> um, but now, listen, it's you just you just wish that he'd kind of revert back to kind of super exciting Dean Smith and be be a little bit more flexible with his kind of with his approach to games. Now I clearly don't think he clearly doesn't think he's got the personnel to play play a different way. But to me, this should be a reminder that he's not necessarily got the personnel to play that way because mm-hmm. he's not currently working. Um you know, I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is. 
to be honest. Um, like I said, I think I think the fact that kind of Barkley has let him down a little bit, the fact that his wingers can be a bit flaky, the fact that his midfielders, you know, nobody nobody consistently steps up to the plate for more than ninety minutes. You know, you don't get you don't get too many of those central midfielders who are producing the goods two matches in a row. Um, is that the manager? I think it is the manager in a way because he's got to be the one who kind of with his team kind of coaches that confidence or coaches that consistency into them. But I don't know. I don't know. We we've got to the. Um, we seem to have got to the Martin O'Neill march, um, but hit it hit it in January, don't we? <laughs> um, no, it's all a bit uh, it's all a bit frustrating, a bit flat, isn't it, at the moment? Uh, cliche alert: Has the international break come at a good or a bad time for Villa? Do you think a little reset button maybe could have happened? I, I'd have liked it a few weeks ago. To be fair, <laughs> it's all right though. It's come at a good time. Nice. It's come at a good time because it gives Jack Grealish another two weeks to try and to try and well, get back to fitness. Yeah, will, will we see Jack Grealish against Fulham, do we think? Or is it going to be another one where we go, he's, Smith's made a point of it now. like, yeah, definitely back. 99.9% he'll be back. He's made a point of saying it now. If he doesn't play against Fulham, people are going to be going, what is going on with Grealish now? And not just yeah, about well, his track suit. But I've got, this happen um, all the time, Matt, like with, with um, the Jack Grealish, like injuries for with Villa General. Because he said it about Keenan Davis and, and Gilbert and, and Matty Cash, like... They never come back on schedule, like whatever the manager's schedule is. So I think it's not just a Grealish thing, is it? Yeah, you'd hate you'd hate Julian Dean Smith to be a GP, wouldn't you? You know, so <laughs> yeah, it's okay, everything's going to be fine, and you can just see the kind of hearse pulling up just outside <laughs> outside the doctor's <laughs> surgery. It's, I mean, I got a bit of stick over the weekend because I did a story. I'd actually got some information for once that Grealish definitely wouldn't play tonight, uh, and that he's touch and go for, for Fulham. And I wrote that story. <laughs> but in that story, I included Dean Smith's quotes that, you know, he's going to get a, he's going to get a test on, he's going to have a fitness test on Saturday morning and we're 99.9% guaranteed that he's going to play against Fulham. Um, we've said this before, it's become, I don't know, it's become kind of amateur psychology now. The, the gains that they think they can have by playing amateur psychology with the, the opposition um, you know, psychological warfare against the opposition by by sowing sowing seeds of doubt in the opposition. I think they're being undone by the absolute <laughs> frustration and annoyance that it's causing it's causing the fan base at the moment. I think you just need to come clean and say, listen, you've got this knock. It's turned out to be more serious than we thought. Um, you know, we hope we're hopeful that it'll make the next game, but at this stage we can't say. Let's see what the next two, couple of weeks brings. I mean, I don't know. I've not heard what heard what Dean Smith. As said, post match, um, you know. And there, in, meanwhile, there's uh, there's Jack really sitting there in his rascal tracksuit. <laughs> uh, that tracksuit's a bit of you, I reckon. You look good, me. That. Yeah, yeah. I think I <laughs> think I think I could carry that off. Oh, you got to see. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, nice. That is. Is that uh, original from back in the day? Like you've had that since the nineties. It is, mate. Yeah, and I thought I went to pull it over my head, and I thought. I thought, oh God, it's so tight. It's, I, I can't fit it on. So I've, I've only tried it on for the first time tonight. I can't fit it on. Then I realised that the button was done up. <laughs> so I was trying to give birth to myself by trying to get my head through. Um, but no, it, it looks all right, mate. It stinks a bit because it's been up the loft, but it's, uh, it looks all right. I don't think I'll get away with that little Nike swish um, number that Jack was wearing there. Is it? Think, um, go on, James. 
the worst thing about that, that no, it wasn't attractive. It was the conversation that Gary, Gary Neville was having over it. It's like, what yeah. is it? It's like, is it pajamas? And it's like very clearly like a tracksuit. Is it a onesie? It's like, yeah, it's a, it's a matching tracksuit, man. You, you know what it is. You know, and like they they've got a joke that I mean, tell us flogging jokes. That's what this podcast is, is uh, made on. Like they come back to it like a minute later, and he's like, going, I was like, oh, we wore suits in our days. So, like, all right, we get it, mate. He's wearing a tracksuit. No, if you said um, it was a rascal, what did you say it was a rascal tracksuit before? Rascal. There's photos on Getty of Gary never wearing some dubious material. Oh though, yeah, so, yeah, we'll get them out. How much do you reckon that outfit costs, Grealish? Really, so do you reckon all that branded gear? God, clear, nothing. I reckon the only boy wants to want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair. Oh. I reckon he's got boxes um, full of it. Is that top from 1996, Matt? I'm not sure whether it is, you know, but I know you're going to use it for a, a nice segue into our uh, into our wonderful mini-doc. Yeah, do you want to plug it, seeing as you've given it the wonderful tag? Yeah, it's on Wednesday, <laughs> on Wednesday at about 6 or 7pm on the <laughs> evening. It is the, uh, it's exactly a quarter of a century since Villa actually won anything. If you yeah. forget the, the Peace Cup and that ridiculous trophy that um, John Terry and James Chester held yeah. a couple of years ago in summer. And what did you show me? Albert Adama holding a bin or something. It's a base charity vase um, <laughs> thing. Put some respect on its name. I'm sorry for not putting respect on the base charity <laughs> vase's name. Anyway, last time Villa won a proper trophy was on March 24th, 1996. And it's been a real labour of love in the last couple of years because we managed to get all of my heroes on. Brian Little, well, not all of them, but some really important <laughs> ones from 1996. Uh, Brian Little, Ian Taylor... John Gregory, who were respectively the manager, goal scorer, first team coach, um, to reminisce about that. Some brilliant stories. Um, mm. Great fun recording it. And yeah, 40 minute special, which you can find somewhere on our on our YouTube channel. Um, it was good. I enjoyed it. I think people, yeah. will, people will like it, won't they, Dan? Oh, I hope so, yeah. It's not for me to say. I thought it was pretty good. What comes with that as well is obviously there's a, a John Gregory interview in there and a Brian Little interview in there that no one has seen anywhere else yet. There was, there was also a full-length feature Claret and Blue podcast with those to come at some point as well. A little spoiler there, obviously, that we've spoken to them, but it wasn't just about 96. We've got their their whole Villa careers told in, in podcast form as well, and they were both very good in their uh, their longer episodes as well, which will probably be coming out in the next two or three weeks. I think we've got one coming out this week that we've not spoken about yet, which I'll keep private for, for now. Um, but, yes, yeah, good, isn't it, these little interviews? They all come at once, don't they, like a, like a shot on target for Villa in the 60th minute? I do indeed, and I want to apologise to John Gregory's family for keeping him hostage for so long as well yeah. when we spoke to him. <laughs> How long was it at the end, the, the actual... Well, that's three hours, chat. I think. Just, just three, hours. three hours, yeah. you got to release that as a full thing, man. We met I mean, his dog, a, didn't we, as well? Met we his did dog. meet his dog, and you know, yeah. he's, he's he's probably a quarter of a century older than me, but I was the one who broke first and needed to go for a wee uh, midway <laughs> through. But no, it was good. Really, really yeah, enjoyed it. Good. I think, think people enjoy the Coca-Cola Cup special. And like I said, we've got some feature-length um, interviews with, with Jeff AG and, and, and Super Brian Little um, coming soon as well. So Yeah, and also yeah. some some All good. Some That's a relief. typical Villa thing, isn't it? You know, when, when we're miserable, you you reach reach into the past, don't you? You reach to those glorious well, yeah. moments in the past. So it's a nice distraction to talk about that rather than the, the current day squad at the moment. So, yeah, absolutely go for it. Um, there was also my favourite part of that is the question that you asked Brian Little at the end. I don't know if you want to give it away or not, but that's just Pete Claret and Blue. No, 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 no. Keep that for the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, we'll, call it a night for, we'll call it a night there for this episode of Claret and Blue podcast. Thanks, everyone, for joining us live on Facebook. Before we go, before we go, 
Before we go, go on. just because people have stayed this long, one final bit of nonsense. Does pizza taste better hot or cold? So I've had cold oh. pizza, and I deliberately got my wife to cook mine earlier. Did, did you know, I can cook for myself. I'm not saying my wife has to do these things. My wife was cooking our tea, and she was, she put pizzas in the oven. But I said, can I have mine earlier? Because I could have my pizza cold. Is it absolute stated fact that pizza tastes, tastes better cold than hot? No, it's, it's uh, right. it depends on it's the pizza. It's a nice treat after, isn't it? It's like, it's like a nice treat after the fact. If, yeah. you're, not, if, you're, if you're cooking a pizza, just to have it cold. That's <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. Shit. Yeah, it's good hot to have it hot when it's come fresh and hot, and then you have it cold the day after. That's the the usual go-to, yeah, that, that, or that, on the evening taste, or something. But it tastes nicer when it's cold. No, it doesn't. No, it depends it doesn't on the pizza like as well. Did you cook the pizza. pizza just to have it cold, Matt? So again, no, I had it cooked it. I didn't just eat it straight, <laughs> straight out, from the freezer. out of the freezer. <laughs> no, but you, did you cook it and then just just to eat it yeah, cold? Let it get cold. Oh my god! Nah, cook it and let it It was Hawaiian as well, so that's a cook. That's a you know, you're not, you don't like pineapple on pizza, do you? I don't like pineapple full stop, but it doesn't belong on pizza. Maybe that's, that's, that's why I prefer it cold, because I don't like hot pineapple. Well, yeah, it shouldn't be on a pizza, should it? It shouldn't be hot. It's a, it's a fruit. It shouldn't be on there. Maybe I'll take the pineapple off next time. i have my main pizza hot, and i have the pineapple, <laughs> the pineapple off, and have my dessert. Yeah, ham pizza and pineapple in a bowl afterwards. Well, yeah. well, seeing as we're here, very quickly, what's your pizza topping, James? What do you go for? Ham and pineapple. <laughs> Oh, God, I'm ending this. <laughs> All right. See you later. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Cloud and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.